Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 340 and it is Tuesday, October 10th, 2023. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? That's right. And joining us live in the Codex Prime Zoom studios, we have a special guest. He is a filmmaker, writer, producer, and editor. Um, he has He's a director of the upcoming documentary Age of Audio, A Tale of Modern Art Storytelling. He's also the director of the 2016 documentary A Fat Wreck and the director of the 2013 short film Ice Cream Social. Party people, please welcome Mr. Sean Michael Cologne. Welcome, sir. I know. I wish we had the sound effect. <laughs> it's a big applause and crowd of... Wait, am I clapping for myself? Like, <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I was clapping for you guys. That's what I was clapping for. Just so you know. Like, but I you were the guest. You, a part of your it becomes a part of your life we've been doing this for about eight years so it just it becomes a part of your life like if i wasn't doing this i mean it'd be it'd be weird can i tell you like when you do a documentary it's a, it's not the same as being public every day but it is it just takes it you start forming your life around it hmm. like it if that makes sense it's, no it's, it, i feel you yeah it totally does make sense so yeah, uh, Sean, let's just get right into it. So tell us about your humble beginnings. You know, where did you come from, and how did you like take you know take interest in uh, filmmaking in general? Well, um, I am not one of those people that was like, I always wanted to be a filmmaker. I knew from when I was a kid I was going to be a filmmaker. I just knew. Uh, no. I, I thought I was going to do music, bro. Right. I, like, put in a lot of effort into music <laughs> for many years, for, like, decades. And, uh, like, uh, I've been an audio engineer for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, uh, me and my buddy, we started a band. We started a little record label. We had a recording studio. We did that. I did that, like, that. I was on that music hustle for many years but a decade at least like when we had our studio and we did all that and um you know um i did uh in high school i did um what do you call it uh, media tech okay you know so but my focus at the time was really on music but in media tech they teach you a little bit of editing there's there's film a little bit of production and start introducing you to like uh you know, real films and things like that. So, like, I got a little taste there, but I was like, I was like, no, I'm gonna do audio. That was my, that was my bag. I was like, I'm gonna be an audio engineer. That's what I'm gonna do. So I focused on that and uh, did that for a long time. But then, you know, as we do in life, we hit our certain crossroads. Things change. I had a, uh, the person that I had done the studio and the band with. We were playing a music festival and a drinking problem came to a head Mm. where um it was a situation where five of us drove up in a van 
and then after events happened, two of us had gone home in a on a flight, and uh, there was only two of us left mm. there. And uh, so, but that was uh, the kind of the end of the studio and the the band for a while. And so, um, at the time, I was the marketing director for this talent development school. I have a kind of a background in marketing, and I uh, was I had done a couple music videos, and I was like, you know what? Next phase, let's see if we can do movies. Let's you know, music did. When I say it didn't work out, we did. I, I got to meet a couple of my heroes. You know, we did have a studio. We did that for a while, and you know, I got to get that knowledge. But it never, really, nothing ever really clicked. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes things click. And uh, so I pivoted and started working on some music videos, produced a few music videos, and then. Um, I did like a little behind the scenes kind of like little documentary thing that was like maybe five, six minutes, something like that, maybe something like that. And uh, it was one of the first things I had edited and um, it was received well. Um, I was at, like I said, I was a marketing director at talent development school where there was a lot of money. So one of the music videos I did and I produced was like a $20,000 music video. Wow. And so the family had a lot of money, so they showed the movie in, a, I mean, the movie, the music video in a theater, and I had done this little behind-the-scenes thing. We showed it to them. They, like, loved it. So they're like, oh, can we show this as well? And so I got to experience something that I had edited on a screen, on a big screen in front of an audience. And I tell you guys, it was such a weird feeling because – you know, as a, as, a, as a music performer, you can never really experience your performance because you're performing, so you right. can't see it, and you can't experience it. But when you edit something, it's kind of like you did the performance, and then you're able to, like, you know, uh, leave your body, if you will, and be like, and see it, like, you know, for, for, with the audience. And yeah, you have that like, and experience it with them. Yeah, like an out-of-body experience. Works, Sorry. Yeah, so when it works, it's it was like this amazing feeling. Um, uh, I'll tell you guys this: you'll never find Ice Cream Social. You won't find it. Oh. It's gone. It was the one of the first things I like a scripted thing that I did, and it was really bad. It was the first time I had something on screen that didn't work, and I felt what it was like when something doesn't work. And man, <laughs> that feels terrible uh that's a weird feeling uh so um kind of going back to what i was so i had done i had done that that one thing and uh me and my buddy who i had done that with i was like hey what if we did that same little mini doc thing but we did it about something that we cared about you know and that's what got us the uh, a fat wreck the first film that we did right I kind of was like, hey, what if we did that? And it was going to be a short. And we, I mean, I had edited one thing. I had never shot a movie. And I just was basically like, um, reached out to a few people on Twitter and was like, hey, I want to do this documentary about this record label that I love. And uh, would you be willing to talk about it? And people said yes. And all of a sudden, things were happening. And put together a little teaser, put it on the internet, <laughs> people liked it, and then um, it just 
spiraled into a feature. We did a, a crowdfunding thing, which uh, we're probably going to do again here. I mean, it was really just a, um, there was a lot of luck involved, but we pivoted, I pivoted into film and the first thing that we did worked, you know, like the, uh, a fat wreck, the movie you talked about before it, I mean, we raised a bunch of money on Indiegogo. We, um, did a bunch of film festivals around the world. It was on Amazon prime for a long time. It was on Netflix in Japan and. Got, I got flown around the world to go to these different film festivals and all these kind of different things. And I had tapped into something people were very passionate about and no one had made a movie about yet. And I learned a lot. <laughs> mm. I learned a lot about how things, how, how movies are made. But at the time I had no idea. I just had no idea. And so it was, it was uh, a, a shit ton of luck, but I think a little bit of, uh, we made a movie that we wanted, that we would want to see. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like if so, if someone said, "Hey, we're making," and the this, the record label is a fat uh, fat records. Um, if anybody's a punk rock fan, it's like No Effects and Lagwag and Strung Out, these bands from like the '90s mostly. A lot of fat records fans at film festivals, at distribution like distri- distributors. Yeah. I mean, there were some film festivals that we were in, like that. Just like that. They're like, oh, a documentary about Fat Records? You know, and we did some really fun stuff. We used, like, I mean, you may only get a chance to make one movie, so we just threw everything we could possibly do at it. And there's puppets doing drugs and <laughs> animated trip sequence. Um, and people seem to like it within that scene uh, to the point where... Um, just recently, there's a punk rock museum that opened up in Las Vegas. Okay. And they asked to put the puppets. So the puppets from the first movie we made are in a museum. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> like, uh, so, like, anyway, so that's how I got into film. I was really just, you know, took a stab at it. And... I got to be honest with you that those years of doing the punk rock thing and doing, having a little record label and reaching out to bands and building up a network. When we went to launch that movie, I had a bunch of people that were excited about it and kind of knew me and were willing to talk about it. And so like, I think one of our biggest reasons we were successful is because we cared about the thing that we were making. It, It was, it was really came from a place of like, someone who really loved this thing and made a movie about it. Now I will say we were filmmakers looking for a subject, if that makes sense, rather than fans looking to make a movie. So the reason we made that about fat records is because it was something that we cared about, but we wanted to make a movie because we wanted to be in film. We wanted to like, we like, um, my cinematographer, uh, Joel Herrera, he's also like been the drummer of our band for 18 years or something <laughs> like that. Like, uh, like, uh, and we both got in, he, he started doing film stuff. He did a 48 hour film fest one time, uh, without telling anyone in the band. And I was like, dude, if you, sorry, I have my, I was like, if you do a film thing without me again, we're not friends. (laughs) 
So, uh, why do- why documentaries? Because you can just do them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to wait for anybody. You know, I, I, I like, I figured I was gonna do that, that doc, the documentary. I, I didn't know how to use a camera. I didn't know how to do anything other than be curious. Oh. And I had edited that one thing, so I was like confident that I could put something together. You know what I mean? And like, uh, like we had jokes in this little thing that we had made, and people laughed at the right time. So all that translated. So I was like, okay, I, I can do that part. Well, what if we did it about this other thing? And I rented a camera, spent like a couple hundred bucks. Um, our record, small record label, it's called Dang Records. Uh, we had like a, we're splitting a table with somebody at this thing called Punk Rock Bowling in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So it was already going there. And so I reached out to a few people on Twitter, like literally like just said, hey, I'm making this documentary about, um, would you want to do an interview? And they said yes. And I actually got, I, I guess I sent out too many request or something and actually got blocked on Twitter like several years ago temporarily and so I actually was only able to send out maybe like a few requests and they had only had like three or four people say yes and so I went there and uh, just started like I didn't know how to I'd never interviewed anyone before except when we had done this little uh, thing before and I was just asking people about different things but I had never really interviewed anyone for a documentary I didn't know how to use a camera I had a buddy who kind of knew some camera stuff, so I said, hey, what should I rent? And he just said, oh, rent this camera and rent this thing. And I didn't know lights. I didn't know <laughs> anything. But, uh, like, I learned a lot, and I got curious about it as I went and learned more as I went. But that initial thing, I just started doing it. And that's why you asked about why documentaries, because you can just say, hey, uh, can I interview you? And... Boom, I'm making a documentary about Fat Records. Now, at the time, I figured it would be a outside-looking-in kind of situation where I would interview my friends and people that I knew about how this particular record label had affected them. Right. And that's our story. You know, and I'm not taking someone else's story at that point. That's how it affected us. And no one had also talked about it in anything that I had seen. So it was, you know, that no one else had even talked about it. And it's like... This whole big thing had happened, and I would run into people all the time that loved this record label still, and they're like their thir- mid thirties, and from when they were teenagers, and they still love them, they still have the shirts, and when you run into those people, so it was really I wanted to show not just about the record label, but it was about the ethos behind it, about the you know uh, the subculture and what was important to everyone. And why you could run into another person and kind of know where their head was at. So, so anyway, um, I'm, I'm getting a little off track. I, I, like I said, I've been drinking. So, <laughs> so right. So, uh, tell us some of your like funny and interesting stories about like uh, filming, like any of your uh, any of your like films or videos that you have done. I mean, most of my stories right now are going to be about um, until we get into Age of Audio stuff, and you can ask me about Got some of that stuff. So what, okay. Um, but as far as uh, the first movie, uh, Fat Wreck, it's um, the the main guy who started this guy, Fat Mike from No Effects. He's really kind of an extreme guy in the sense that he does lots of different drugs and <laughs> you know cross. I don't even call it cross dressing, but he does all that kind of stuff. Uh, but. Uh, 
had um, kind of okayed the movie without telling anybody else in his, at his record label or anything like that. And uh, I had gone out to Las Vegas a second time after we had done our Indiegogo and it was successful. Um, and when I landed, when I was there, I ran into him and he's like, hey, come back to our house. And uh, I think as a test, uh, he was like, oh, he had a pool at this house and there's all kind of weird like uh, BDSM stuff that they are into, you know, that kind of stuff. So he was like, uh, and nothing that extreme happened, but he was like, hey, uh, we're going to get in the pool. He's like, put like put on these high heel stilettos and get in the pool. So I, I was like, oh, whatever, I'm down for whatever. So I, I did, and I got in the pool, and, and like we had this like deep conversation about like all different kind of stuff, and I think it was him trying to see kind of what kind of person I was and what I was down for and where my head was at. I'm basically taking their story, right. some rando taking their story and trying to tell it, and which is, I mean, at the time I was so naive and didn't realize the, the gravity of what I was doing, and uh, but he it was it was like a test, it was like an interesting test. So like I I got in, I was like I'm I'm down, bro. I don't care. That's not my vibe, you know. It's not my thing, you know. It's not what what gets me going, but you know, like and it wasn't like. That it was more like a test, like I wonder if he'll what he's gonna do, you know. Um, and after that point, he kind of gave me his blessing on the movie, and I mean, he ran a record label, and we have like 120 songs in that movie. He gave me the song basically for free. The the, the the side that the record label has, when you get into that, you'll learn there's lots of different uh, licenses that you have to get. But as yeah. far as the, the actual recordings from the record label, he's like, use whatever you need. You know, and connecting me with people and basically gave me blessing. And I mean, it changed my life. That movie changed, you know, the way my life went. So he could have shut it down. He was the main guy at the league. He just shut it down. He just been like, nope, I'm not doing it. You can't do this. So, oh, uh, so that's a crazy story. That's an interesting story. Wow. If you uh, look up the movie, uh, A Fat Wreck, and look at the bonus material, we did like many behind the scenes documentaries. And there's one about the making of the movie that has that picture. <laughs> Somebody snapped a picture. Somebody I mean, like a, a, a shirt. Picture <laughs> yeah. you in stilettos. Like high heel stilettos up to the the knee. So. Oh. Nice. <laughs> I got like a punk rock shirt, like boxers, and then these. I don't, it's, not, it's not attractive by any means. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess funny nonetheless, depending on where your sense of humor is. Um, Definitely funny, and I, I like. Uh, I was definitely like put that in the making of because that story's in there. Yeah. Uh, that's a because I mean it's a it's a it's like a it's like a, it's like a little bit of a test, you know what I mean? It's kind of like hey, it's, and like once again, like I said, I'm, it's not my thing, but I mean whatever, it's not gonna hurt me, <laughs> you know what I mean? I like you know it's not hurting anybody. So, so what is your favorite thing about filming in general? I don't know about like in filming it, filming itself. Like, I mean, it's cool. I love filming. Do you mean like making movies? Yes. Or, I mean, my favorite thing is getting to pull in like amazing creatives that uh, and letting them run wild with their creativity. You know, as a director, like, I mean, there's 
some definitely some creative work that I'm doing, but I'm pulling in lots of other artists in to help me either edit or make motion graphics or in the case of the other movie, do puppets and have this artist make this amazing puppets, you know, you know, like I, I get to have the flex that I have these puppets in this museum, you know, but one of the things I'm really stoked about is the person who made the puppets for me, their puppets ended up in a museum. Yes. You know what I mean? So like, you know what I mean? To showcase the talents of all these other people. And, you know, with the first movie I made, uh, and we can talk about Age of Audio as well, but the first movie I made, I'm, I'm kind of bringing to light the story of the things that I love, but also showcasing these artists and, like, visual artists. Like I said, there's a 45-second trip sequence in uh, my first movie, which I found this artist from Japan, and what they made is just... It's, it's amazing. It's not just a, a, a simple animation where like one thing is, it's everything constantly changing the entire time and melting into other things. And there's, it's, it's amazing. It's like an amazing thing. And I get credit. Right. Like, like, oh, you made this amazing thing. It's like, yeah, but all these amazing people contributed to make this thing. And so like filmmaking, I think the collaboration and, and highlighting of other people's skill sets and, um, I think that's one of the most exciting parts of it is, you know, getting to collaborate with people much more talented than myself. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, as we're, as we're talking about a documentary films, uh, what led you to, uh, to, um, to, to do, um, the, um, to, to do your current documentary? Um, why, why explore podcasts in the, in the age of audio? Why explore that podcaster, uh, space? One, there's a lot of parallels, I think, to the punk rock space. I, I, I made a joke that, the, like, uh, podcasting is kind of like punk rock, or at least independent podcasting is like punk rock without the heroin. Um, <laughs> or is it? Like, there's a lot of drugs <laughs> in podcasting. Yeah. There's a lot. There's not as much drugs, as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, like, but the, the sense of community and the, like, how passionate people are about it. And also a lot of the DIY nature of it, where like anyone can start a podcast. It's very like, like before anyone could start a punk rock band, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people would just pick up instruments and start making stuff, you know, and, and there's that same kind of like energy to it. I mean, the, the, the community that forms behind it and like the sense of like, oh, we're doing this and we don't have gatekeepers. We can make whatever we want. And we're going to do it, and we're going to do it the way we want to do it, you know. And there's not anyone to, to tell us no, you know. And it's it has, like, that same kind of uh, community. Um, I got really into podcasts, and if I get into something, I tend to make a documentary about it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I, it's, I, so, like, there is, a, like, a story of the genesis of where it came from. Yeah. Um, and what happened was I was finished a fat wreck. It had come out and um, I started to work on this other documentary, uh, which is now called uh, Anchor Ends. I'm still working on it. Um, and it's been shot and all this kind of stuff. But when we were filming, uh, it follows this band. And I didn't necessarily want to do another music documentary. It's not really about music. It's about the support systems it takes to do creative work. 
And so, but it's filtered through this particular band called the Wilhelm Scream. And uh, we f- were filming with them, and uh, we went to film with them in New York. And the same night that they were playing this other band called Propagandi, which is like my favorite band, was also playing in Brooklyn. Uh, opening up for this band for this band was a band called Heart Sounds, and um, one of the main guys in that band, uh, I knew through the documentary we were making, and he had asked us to film their set. Uh, turns out, his uncle is Ira Glass. Oh wow. Mm. And so when we were going to, he had asked me to film, and we were on our way to, to, to Brooklyn, um, and he's like, hey, my uncle's going to be at the show. And I'm like, Ira Glass? At a punk rock show? <laughs> like, one of my favorite storytellers, my favorite punk rock bands are going to be in the same building? I, does it make sense? Like, I, does it make any kind of weird sense? Um, but I ended up meeting Ira Glass and hanging out with this punk rock show and we started chatting and we chatted about the movie I was making and he was really cool and he gave me some tips and it was very, very cool. And that happened. Okay, cool. Um, while we were also filming, we stopped it to speak with uh, another, a podcaster, um, named, uh, Dallas and he runs a podcast called 20,000 Hertz. And he had done an episode, it's a, it's, his podcast is all about sound, and he had done an episode about the Wilhelm Scream. And so I was going to interview him about the thing for the band, because there was going to be a mini documentary inside the documentary about the Scream and the band. Um, I should preface this by saying that uh, Roman Mars uh, did the pull quote on the back of our Blu-ray for a fat wreck. Uh, he's a big punk rock fan and i had reached out to him when we were making uh, when we finished the movie and sent him a copy and he had said some nice things and i asked if i could use it so i know roman marks from 99 percent invisible are you familiar are you guys familiar um, so i can't say that i am no i'm not so 99 percent invisible is a well you're gonna like this movie because he's in it uh 99 percent invisible was uh it is a very large podcast um about design um, he started a, um, <laughs> he started a podcast network called Radiotopia. Are you familiar with Radiotopia? Part of it, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're a collective of independent podcasts that kind of pull together. And, um, he, uh, in that space is very revered. And uh, as me and Dallas were talking, I had told him the story about hanging out with Ira Glass. And he knows Roman Mars. Um, at, like I said, pretty big podcaster. If you guys look up 99% Invisible, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Okay. And he was like, hey, you know Roman. And you met Ira Glass. Why aren't you making a podcast documentary? And I said, are you guys allowed to cuss on your pot? No, you yes. don't cuss, right? No yeah. cussing? Yeah, go ahead. There's cussing allowed? Oh, absolutely. Oh, great. Because I was like, fuck you, man. 
I was like, now I have to make this documentary. Like, I mean, how can I not? That's like, I'm in a unique position that I know some of these people. So I had, uh, and I was still working on this other documentary. So I, I reached out to uh, Roman and asked him if he would be a, if he would be interested, and he said yes. And then, um, so I go right after that happens um, at South by Southwest. You guys are familiar with South by Southwest, yeah. I'm sure. Um, I run in, and I live in Dallas, so I'm not far from Austin. So I tend to go down to South by Southwest just to hang out for a little bit. Um, my side gig, you know, to make money, I do Uber and Lyft. So like, and Lyft, you can do anywhere essentially. So I go, I'll go. So last few years since I've been doing that, I'll go down to Austin and just turn my thing on and run into people and you know, pay for being down there and run into people. Like, you know, see if I can, you know, it's, almost everyone there during that time is doing something. So it doesn't hurt to have them in your car. Right. So, so I go down there and uh, I tell him about the movie I was working on. He's like, because about the support systems that creatives need to survive. He's like, sounds cool. He's like, what else you got? <laughs> I was like, I have. And I, at this time, I've now reached out to uh, Roman and said, hey, would you be interested in, if I did a podcast documentary, would you be in it? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I go down South by and... Um, I run into him and he says that and he's like, what else you got? I was like, well, I have this other idea for this podcast documentary. Uh, and I got this guy, Roman Mars from 99% Invisible that he said he would do it. So he's like, really? He's like, I can get money for that. <laughs> you know, famous last words, famous last words, guys. <laughs> I can get money. Uh, no one can that. get money ever, by the way. No one can ever get money. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, familiar with PRX. PRX. So kind of they do the distribution for a lot of different podcasts. They've um, over the years they've connected like radio, like NPR stations with local content, and have really pushed. They're, they're the reason like Glenn Washington exists. They're the reason that, or I mean that he became popular, I should say. And uh, Al Al Letson, and uh, you, you've probably heard of Ear Hustle. Have you heard of Ear Hustle? I've I've heard that name. Yeah. So Ear Hustle is a big uh, podcast that came out of San Quentin. These guys that started a podcast in San Quentin jail, and they one of the guys got released. Big podcast all through yeah. Radiotopia. I mean uh, PRX. And uh, at South by PRX was so I ran into my my guy. He's like, I can get money for that. The next day you have the PRX meetup, and that's where you have that some of the guys from iHeartRadio. You have People from uh, at the time Stitcher, which is now XM, XM Stitcher, uh, and also the head of Radiotopia and PRX, uh, Julie Shapiro, and I basically pitched everybody on the documentary, and they were like, and they all love Roman Mars, uh, and uh, they were basically like, yeah, how can we help? Yes, we were into this, so they gave me connections, and basically, so within that day, those two days, I had. Someone who thought that he could get money, and they did eventually. It took a while. Uh, but they got money eventually, and I had all the yeses I needed to get the movie started uh, within, like, a day. And I was not planning on starting it, but, like, that's not how things work. Things are not on my schedule. So uh, so that's when I kind of started doing that. I reached out to Roman. They were doing a, uh, a tour of the Radiotopia tour, and so we went out and filmed with them in Boston. And then... Uh, 
we were able to get some money from this company called XTR. They do documentaries. Um, they did the Magic Johnson documentary on Apple TV. They did the Nudo documentary on Max and uh, several other ones. Right. Um, and we were part of some uh, initial seed round of some money that they were giving out to some documentaries to get things going. So we were able to get money, a little bit of money. And uh, that's kind of how it started. And then it's a matter of reaching out and talking to people and with Roman and a bunch of these people under my belt. And then eventually what I did is after the project was kind of moving, I reached out. Then I reached out to Ira Glass after the project had was already started right. and asked him for an interview. And he's like, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, so, and, and once you get Ira Glass, it opens up a lot of doors see, for other I, people. I so it's, um, that's kind of how it got started. And, you know, we're six years in now. We started. So, we filmed with Ira Glass in 2019. It was the we landed the day that it was announced that uh, Spotify was buying Gimlet for two hundred dollars, <laughs> two hundred million dollars. Million dollars. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. So what are some of the so you know while uh, creating this documentary documentary? Excuse me. What were some of the, like the interesting things that you've learned about podcasting in general while uh, creating this documentary? is really hard and I have respect for anyone who does it I like you guys I have a lot of respect for what you guys do thank you 340 episodes man that like that is it's it's such a commitment I haven't I've never done a podcast oh at this point I'm not I'm not a podcaster I don't podcast uh, um because I mean I've worked on my thing every day and I work on something every day. I work hard, but I'm not doing it in public every day. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I'm not putting myself out there every day. I, I'm going to be like now. You'll see a lot of me, hopefully. <laughs> um, but I've been able to perfect and iterate and like, you know, do things behind the scenes without having a public thing that I'm putting out all the time. And 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 in order to have a successful podcast, and you guys know this, it's the consistency. It's becoming a part of everyone's Tuesday night or, you know, knowing that they're going to be hanging out with you guys on a consistent basis. And they look forward to that, you know, I, I, like, um, like, so it, it, that's why I have, I, I have a lot of respect for this space. And I think it's, it's such a cool thing. It, it, people, I, I think it's so funny when people are like, uh, oh, do you like podcasts? It's like, to me, it's like saying, do you like books? <laughs> of course. <laughs> do you like movies? Do you like TV shows? Like, I mean, so many different things. It's a, it's a medium, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's could be us chatting like this and have a, a video component. It can be an all audio narrative that's built from scratch. It can be, it can be so many different things. Um, and I'm hoping to do that with the movie and showcase. I mean, the movie really focuses deeply on narrative driven, highly produced podcasts, but a part of what we're doing is kind of showcasing that this is an art form. It's, it, it, you know, this is not just a delivery system. It's also like, it's like a, it's art and it should be held up at the same level as film or sculpture or, you know, like 
it's, it's another different medium where people do lots of amazing things. Um, and it's this other thing where it creates these parasocial connections with people. I mean, I know I love the podcasts that I love. I mean, I, 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 I listen to a lot of podcasts and when it doesn't show up at a certain time, I'm like, where is it? <laughs> and I'm like going on Twitter. I'm like, are they okay? <laughs> are they okay? they're not here like where are they like it's like your friend didn't show up and you're like are you okay you know what i mean like so it's it's and it's an interesting thing because i'm doing a visual uh representation of an audio medium and our goal is to try to showcase why it's so special and with a film you know the thing about documentary and film is like there's it can reach people that may not have ever looked into podcasts and the people that do podcasts hopefully will see be seen and respected and say oh no okay someone sees what we're doing cares about it enough to make this movie and like is uh, ele- trying to elevate it and say show it show hey look this is like an important thing that people do like you know I, I mean, I don't know like what the response you guys have gotten, um, but I know that like, I've talked to several podcasters where like people reach out to them and say like, "This got me through a living important, you know, hard time in my life." Like, like, or this is important. This connection that I have is it's an important part of my life, you know. And there's very few things that are like that. So it's like, uh, and no one's made a documentary at scale. I want to mention there's there's two. Uh, podcast documentaries. One's called Earbuds. These two comedians did, and this is all pre-serial, so it's before podcasts blew up. Right. Blew up, and they're having to go. What's a podcast? You know, like we're far past that, and and the production value leaves to me leaves some to be desired. And there's another smaller one about this local podcasting scene in Florida uh, that really takes place like so. Like it was a while ago they made this. And so, but other than that, there's no one who's really like, this has been such a like cultural thing that has happened that it's a part of people's lives. Now it's a part of the news. People make news because they say some stupid shit on a podcast <laughs> and then, you know, bites them in the ass or they make news like presidents go on podcasts. Like, and to this point, no one's really like showcased what it is through a documentary and through a, through something that kind of like, like showcases what's special about it. And, um, like, I mean, when we started, I could see what was happening and that podcasting was blowing up. So when I initially conceived the movie, it was, um, uh, like a coming of age film as podcasting comes and becomes, from this niche thing that no one really knows about and people are making in their closet into this thing that like is, you know, a cultural phenomenon at this point. So, um, did I answer your question? That was actually pretty good. good. It was actually pretty good. I was really, I was actually enjoying that. Um, what is it? So have you noticed that? uh, One drink in me, just with one drink. (laughs) Strong is it? What what kind of drink is it? I probably Oh, let's see. It gives you here. I feel like I should have. Uh, nah, I feel like I should have fixed the drink before I got. Here. No, 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 no. This is uh, can I, I don't know if this is allowed. 
can, I don't know, the promotion of alcohol? or How does that work? You, know? you can just mention um, it. <laughs> it's a stuff called Ranch, Rancho La Gloria, and it's a, a margarita wine cocktail Ooh. that's got uh, agave wine in it. Ooh, okay. Agave wine. And I, they have it at the 7-Elevens near us, and so I grabbed some one night, to be like, and it tastes good, and man, I don't know what is it about the agave wine, but... It just does not take very much. <laughs> <laughs> Agave? And it's cheap. It's cheap. <laughs> well. The favorite kind of booze. Our 7-Elevens don't sell liquor, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of screwed oh, on so, that one. So I live in Dallas. So Dallas is uh, where 7-Eleven came from. It started here. But it was sold to a Japanese company. So it's actually a Japanese company right now. It's been like that for over a decade, I think. I never It's been that. a Japanese company. Yeah. And they did some deals here in Dallas with like all the Exxons to turn all the Exxons into 7-Elevens. So there are 7-Elevens literally sometimes across the street from each other. They are everywhere. <laughs> and their corporate headquarters is here, right? So their corporate headquarters, and I do Uber and Lyft, like I said, and so I take people all the time, and I've taken people to their corporate headquarters. In the corporate headquarters, they have a 7-Eleven store that you can go into that's open to the public. Wow. It's, it's like 7-Eleven So at the corporate headquarters, <laughs> yeah. it's connected to their lunchroom, and you can't go into their lunch area, but they do have, like, a thing. Because I, uh, I had a guy one time, he's like, yeah, you can go, you can go in there. And I went in there just to buy something just to do it, because it was, like, in this big mess of, like, corporate office in the corner, they got a little 7-Eleven going. Anyway, that's my 7-Eleven. Yeah, it's like, you kind of just got to go in there just just to say you've been in. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, so, oh, yeah. I've so, yeah, been to so Dallas, too. Genesis, I love that's Dallas. That's the genesis of the, of the movie there. That's where it, that's kind of where it came from, yeah. or at least the narrative that I'm telling everybody. Yeah, so it seems like throughout, you know, you said you've been working on this documentary for about six years, correct? I think it's it's just under six years, like five and a half years, yeah. something like that. Yeah, so you was able to see, like, the growth of the podcasting medium. So from the time you started to now, would you say that the uh, medium is over is a bit oversaturated it seems like kind of like everybody and their mama has a podcast yeah. are there too many books in a library good answer good wow good point that's a very good point yeah i, I, I like I, no it's not oversaturated i think that is is uh i think Sometimes it could be more, I think people get locked into formats, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that uh, before the, the medium could be expanded, and there are some people that are pushing the edges of that. Um, but I, I think it's, dude, it's like, <laughs> it's the most basic thing humans do. We've been doing it since like the beginning. It's humans talking to other people, like, yeah. and, and and like this this kind of podcast that you guys do, like we do the interviews. I watched one of your other interviews. I I, I do my homework. I, I watched. I listened to an like not a full episode, but I did uh, listen listen to kind of get a vibe, a sense, and kind of see what you guys were about and yeah. things like that. Um, and like 
sometimes being in the like I like pod like I like narrative driven podcasts that are fully produced. I love that. But I also love podcasts where just people are talking to each other. And I think that it's it's such an amazing thing to be like have this so anyone listening to this that's into it, you know, I mean it's like they're in the room with us having this conversation. You know? It does. And so it's like this most natural, this most basic thing that we do. You know, it's um I'll give you a little bit of on the genesis of Age of Audio, the name of the movie, right? So for the first maybe three years, we had terrible names for the movie. It was like, it was just not good. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I've like blocked out most of them because like, but I can go back to like documents and see what the names we were considering. I'm like, oh my gosh, so bad. (laughs) So bad, so terrible. Uh, and it never felt right. And one of the things that was happening at the time when I was when I came up with the name was um, everyone was ca- talking about it's a golden age of audio. It's a golden. Oh my gosh, it's a golden age of audio. Cereal blew up. It's a golden age of audio. Or like this company bought this company. Now look at all these podcasts. It's a golden age of audio. And I was like, dude, it's not even like it's not even like the most recent age of audio. You know what I mean? And I said that to myself. I was like. It's not a golden age of audio. It's more like just an age of audio. And I was like, ah, that's the name of the movie. Right there. I said it out loud, and I was like, I knew it. Because we had a time where radio was the primary way that everyone was communicating. And how narrative was put out, and how news was put out. Where were the worlds? You know, like, people would sit around the radio. That's the golden age. Right. You know? But even before that, like, the, like the, most, <laughs> the most, like, basic thing is people talking to each other. You know, this is like, so we're just in another age of audio. Like, it's always been an age of audio. It's how humans communicate, you know what I mean? For the most part, you know what I mean? That's how we talk to each other. That's how we, what we do. So, like, um, yeah, I, like, I, I forgot what your question was. But that's me the, too because I was just like uh, oh, yeah. I was literally just hanging out to what he was saying I'm like yeah, I think uh, uh, you asked earlier uh, if you felt that the pod- podcasting market was too oversaturated and you had a brilliant answer which no not, not oversaturated I, th- I say make more more people should make stuff because what's going to happen is, is you know every, people find their audiences right now hmm. you know what I mean and if you're if you're doing like consistent stuff then talking about and people come in and out of podcasting uh, uh do you guys follow edison research are you familiar oh uh, what's this called so edison research they've been since for the last 15 years they've been publishing a uh what's called the infinite dial mm-hmm. and it tracks listening as far as podcasts are concerned and so they've been tracking it for the last 15 years and uh i highly recommend that you guys as podcasters be paying attention to that because it shows the demographics. It shows the breakdowns of who's listening. Like it's like everything you'd ever want to know about who's listening and what's going on. Hmm. Um, uh, also, sounds profitable. If you guys aren't from following, sounds profitable. You should totally do that. Those guys are putting out like lots of information about listeners, and um, they do surveys. They do actual like high quality phone surveys, like in the thousands. Like Ooh. not just. Uh, sounds profitable but edison research 
Hmm. Um, if you don't know who, um, uh, how's spacing about a name? Um, Tom Webster is. Look up Tom Webster. Follow that dude. Dude is super cool, and he's he does these uh he, he reports a lot about the space. Um, these are the things that I've been people that I've been following and met, and during the course of the movie, I've you know I went to uh, the IAB upfront podcast upfront for the movie, like uh, you know podcast movement. Are you guys familiar with podcast movement? Uh, the, podcast the movement. Gathering. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris actually. Uh, uh, Big shout out to Chris Rebel, by the way, who we, we filmed, put us together. We filmed it a couple of those. I know the guys who do that. Like, you should like pay attention to those things. I'm not saying go to podcast movement, but pay attention to what they're doing. Um, here I am going to start giving you guys podcast advice. Is that what you want? <laughs> Ooh, I love to learn. I, I have an underdog um, mentality. I love to learn, so I'm just like, oh, dude, I'm you, taking notes. Me, you guys, Edison Research, the, the Infinite Dial, look into that. Please, please, as podcasters, that should be something that you're looking into and following every year because it gives a total, you get to see what this, what's happening in the space. And, and, and yeah, there are a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of podcasts, right? But there's only so many people doing it like you're doing it every week, every two weeks and consistently. And that, that, that number, when you break that down, is much smaller. You know what I mean? So it, people, people like to, uh, to talk about the biggest number, one, like several million podcasts, but only 300,000 of those are active every month, are posting every month or so. Last I checked, you might want to double check on the new numbers. But the thing that I love about podcasting, it's so niche. Hmm. You can find an audience. And I think the coming from a music background, the thousand true fans, you know, a thousand fans, a thousand true fans or a thousand people that will spend a hundred dollars on the thing that you're doing in their merch or live performances or things like that. All you need, I mean, I'm sure each of you would be probably good if, if this podcast was producing $50,000 a year for each of you, you know, you'd probably be pretty stoked, you know, yeah. that's a thousand, stoked for $10. All you need is a thousand people <laughs> that'll give you a hundred dollars every month. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? Or every year, I should say, every right. year. So some of those things apply to podcasting as you, you know, do your, you know, I, I am a payer. I pay for content. I'm a, someone who pays for Patreons for podcasts that I like. Shout out to the film cast. Um, <laughs> and I, I give them $10 like every month. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can get their podcast for free. You know, I don't have to pay, but I choose to because I get some extra stuff, you know, that they do. But they're, they're like, I'm one of their thousand or however, you know, how many people they have, you know what I mean? And so it's, um, yeah, like, uh, it's, it's, it's a really awesome medium where people can connect with other people. I think that's one of the, the biggest things. And you know, making the movie is something and my way that I can contribute, hopefully, to like, if, so, if someone asks you what you do, you can say, oh, there's a movie. Watch this movie and you'll know why we do what we do and what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And also, sidebar, 
think it'd be kind of cool if they got the film cast on, on the Codex Prime podcast one of these days. Just just a thought out there. <laughs> Are you familiar with the film cast? Yeah, I, I do I do follow their show Yeah, on Spotify. Are you a David Chen fan? <laughs> yeah, David Chen, Davinger Hardwar, and uh, Jeff Kanata. Oh, we shit. <laughs> All right. I did. It was my most listened to podcast last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On Spotify, yeah. they did the Spotify thing. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, was, was uh, no, like, uh, they're, they're, uh, I, they're a good example of a, like, David Chen is a, a, a genius as, as far as being able to, like, what he's done with his podcast and spreading it out into his other, because he's got the, you know, I don't know if you follow the, the Decoded. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've heard of his heard other of shows, it. like Decoded and Culturally Relevant. Um, Culture. I was. A, I, I pay, before things got tough because I'm telling you guys, making independent documentaries is really tough. I believe it. It's really hard, and I was contributing to that as well. But I had to pull back on some of my podcast contributions. I think I'm only giving them a dollar a month right now because I was like, yeah, I can afford a dollar. But um, I did culturally relevant. I was supporting him directly for a while, but I had to choose, and I was like, filmcast is where I'm going to do. And he hasn't. He's kind of put that aside, but. Uh, they're, I mean, they're a great example of like building an audience and monetizing it. And I don't, I don't say that in the gross way. I am a entrepreneurial type person, so I and marketing person, so I understand capitalism a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and to operate, you have to kind of operate within the system that you exist. So um, no, I like the monetize. I, 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 I'm a supporter of content i think people should pay you know if the, like if anyone's listening to this podcast you should guys should give them some money send them money give these guys money like five dollars a dollar this is my philosophy right if let's say someone who listens to you every week like someone who's into you guys every week if they ran into you at a bar would they buy you a drink yeah right? so yeah. So if you ran into the local bar, okay, so that's what five dollars, right? Or say say someone doesn't drink alcohol. Let's say they it's a it's a it's a coffee situation. Would you buy this person a cup of coffee? So that's like four dollars, two dollars, three dollars. You know, why not give them the three dollars? Hmm. Do it. Just where you are. Send these guys money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I so, pointing the right way? Am I pointing? Yeah. Right now, now you are. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, send so, these guys money. So what I'm uh, hearing is a, not a lot. Send them five dollars. Give them three dollars a month. Give them two dollars a month. Like it's not like like it's. Would you tip someone at a restaurant? Like it's not that much money. It's like really not much money to like give someone five dollars a month. Yeah. So and, uh, if you can, if you can, not everyone can do it. And yeah, it's different sure. points in different people's lives. But think about it. If you ran into these guys at a bar, would you buy them a drink? Yeah. And, so and give so, them five dollars. So what I'm hearing is, uh, I think we should start a Patreon page or a PayPal or something. You gotta have something. You guys don't have any monetization at all. No. 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 There I... are people that want to give you money, <laughs> and they can't. Because you haven't made it easy for them, I've, you need to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, I'm not saying do a Patreon because then you're, you know, maybe, unless you're doing like extra stuff. I mean, yeah. keep it free. Keep it like say, hey. But if you want to support what we're doing, send us a dollar. Like, who can't send a dollar? You know what I mean? Like, 
and this is the thing, like, and, I, and no, I'm not shaming anybody who can't send money. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want to make anyone feel like they need to send money. But if you like something and it's part of your life on a regular basis, like I said, if you were going to run it, if you ran into, like, ran into randomly at some bar, would you buy that person a drink? I would. That's like, <laughs> if I ran into David Chen, I'd be like, man, I really appreciate stuff that you guys do. I'd buy you a drink. You know what I mean? So, that's my philosophy, anyway. You know, we've been getting schooled over the past few weeks, and I'm kind of enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, we've you know, we've done the show for for a long time. And I know, 340 episodes is not a short amount. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, and, yeah, we've, like, I know, that, like, over, uh, a few times, like, the idea of monetization has come up every now and then, but, you know, for some reason, we just... You just decided to keep it, keep things free. We don't want to hide content, anything behind a paywall, or have like yeah, or be beholden to sponsors. You don't have to. You don't like have that. to put yeah. a, a, a behind the wall. Yeah. What you can do is just say, "Hey, buy us a drink, buy us a cup of coffee," yeah. and say, "Hey, if you guys like what we've been doing," and I'm sure what you would do is you could take that money and invest it into like microphones or you know production equipment or little things. It's not like, "Hey, I'm going to pay my bills." But like, hey, I can, we'll actively put that money back into the podcast to allow us to, a greater reach and equipment if we need it. You know what I mean? Because there's a cost to doing what you're doing. And, and you guys love to do it. I'm sure you guys like hanging out. But there's a hard cost in the equipment that you have and those kind of things. And not saying people have to. It's not a have to. Just keep doing what you're doing. But say, hey, if you are so inclined because I'm that way. I'm inclined. When I like someone or what they do, I'm like, well, throw them a few bucks if I can. I can't always do it. Like Patreon, my Patreon was like $60, $70 for a bit, and I had to pull back because I was like, things were getting tight. So I pulled back, and I pulled everything down to a dollar, you know, except for like the film cast because I need to get those after dark. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? So like, I mean, I think everyone probably throw you a dollar like i mean it's a dollar dollar like if you can't throw a dollar and now they're so easy to throw a dollar anyway i'm not shaming anybody i'm just saying a dollar you can't throw a dollar i'm just saying <laughs> a dollar you could buy them a <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just gonna be hearing a dollar every time. I was like, yeah, but it, no, it's, but it's, it's very true money. what you're saying. It's not about money. I'm not. I'm not saying it's about money. But like in a capitalist system, as you can tell, I'm not totally on board. I'm just. But we the way we exist. A dollar is a vote. Keep doing what you're doing. I like what you do. Keep doing it. Here's a vote. I vote for you. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's something to think about. I'm gonna go on everyone's podcast and tell them to turn. <laughs> <laughs> to give us a dollar. <laughs> give them a dollar. I mean, if you had 300 people give you a dollar a month, that's a car payment. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and once again, not everyone has to do it. You know, it's not a, a, a must. It's like, but if you, like, I think, like for me. I know that the things that I support, like I want to support because like, I appreciate the fact that they're doing it. And, and um, on the film cast, I was a fan when it was Slash Film. Mm-hmm. I'm not a long, long time, but several years. And they made the shift. And when they launched their their Patreon, I was like, oh, hell yeah. 
fuck yeah. <laughs> I'll throw down. Definitely. It wasn't even like a question. I was like there like that. And many other people were. Those guys make, a, 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 I think, a decent amount of money that they can actually support themselves a little bit on that particular podcast. Now, there are big podcasts. You know mm. what I mean? It doesn't have to be like pay my bills. But like I said, hey, man, we can upgrade our microphones a little bit, throw that money back into like our production value. So not only are they supporting you, but they're supporting the thing that you're making to help make it better. And I think it kind of going back to my punk rock roots, that, that, that's like, you know what I mean? You support the things that you care about and not even monetarily because some people can't do that, but spreading the word, that kind of thing. Like not everyone can donate money, but everyone can reshare. Everyone can, you know, hit that little share button down there. On yes. The, on, yes. The, on the thing. So anyway, I, I, I'll get off my high horse now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a good high horse. I will say that. <laughs> Indeed. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and shifting back to your documentary, um, uh, Age of Audio. Yeah, were, let's talk about me. Uh, <laughs> uh, were there any podcasters that you really wanted for the film but just could not get either because they refused or just because they weren't yeah. available? 100%. Yeah. Dude, I worked on Conan O'Brien for, like, a couple years. Oh, and man. even had their people, like, running up the flag and, were like, they had, they had said no. And then I tried again for about three or four months. And they ran it, and they said we might be able to get him, and, and then eventually said no. Uh, Mark Marin, we offered Mark Marin money, not to be in the movie, but like a producer credit, and like you know, and and the, some of the people I was working with were like, hey, we can offer up to this amount of money, and it was not an insignificant amount of money. Mm. He was like, nah. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's bad. So Mark Marin said no. Conan O'Brien eventually said no. Uh, I mean, and I'll be honest, like, those are the, like, Mark Maron kind of hurt, because, like, I wanted to showcase what he had been doing. He had the president on. He had been a big part of podcasting. And um, At the time, he had just been in the the Joker movie, so it might have been a bad time to request, because he might have been had a lot of other stuff going on, but that was bummed. Um. Conan was a big bummer because I thought it was real close. Mm. Like I was talking to their people and like they were like, yeah, like we were going to talk to them and it was just like they couldn't make it work. And, you know, um, Ira Glass is amazing to have in a movie. Uh, Fred Armisen is going to be in the movie. Because wow. um, he did a, a he did an Ira Glass impression. So I reached out to him and a friend uh, who had done a documentary about punk rock in Washington, D.C. called um, um, Salad Days, uh, Scott Crawford. He, he helped me get in touch with him. And uh, he did it. took like, like almost a year to get to nail it down, but he did it. And, um, so that was cool. But nobody knows who Fred Armisen is. <laughs> nobody knows who Ira Glass is. And when I say no one, I mean, I know you guys know, but, like, I'm telling you, no one knows who those people are. Like, in, in like, there's a there's a level of people, but everybody knows who Conan is. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's across the board, everyone is doing. And one of the main reasons I wanted to have him on the movie wasn't just because he's a big name, but he's someone who, like, found podcasting and found this deep love for it, and it really kind of... It's almost like his other, his second act. 
in a lot of ways because he sold his um, Conan O'Brien, uh, you know, the 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 whatever his stuff is, he sold it to uh, XM for like a lot of money. Right. I think, I think like 140 million or something like that. Um, and so it's it's been this path for him to uh, his career, and he talked about how much he loved it. And we have even have uh, Matt Gorley in the movie, who's on the podcast with him. Like we interviewed Matt Gorley at his house, and, he, and we still couldn't get Conan. Right. Um, so that that was kind of the biggest bummer for me because I knew that it, what it would do. And I when I reached out, I, I I mentioned this. I was like, it would elevate all these other people, right? It would elevate because everyone knows who Conan is. But no one knows who any of these other people are. Even I'm telling you, I run into a lot of people doing the Uber and Lyft thing, and I ask like, I don't always talk about my movies, but sometimes it comes up. And when I I mention that Fred Armisen, no one knows who that guy is. Has anybody right? seen crazy? Euro Trip? He was on Saturday Night Live, like. Bro, like no one. We're talking about mainstream people. You know what I mean? Like mainstream people, and like there's these layers to things. Yeah. And so I, I really pushed for Conan. It was my last big, like, I worked on it really hard for, like, months. And it just didn't work. And it's okay. You know what I mean? It's not like, like, it, the when you're making a documentary and you're dependent on people saying yes to you, you get a lot of no responses and a lot of no's. And especially as you go up in a level where people don't need to be in it. You know what I mean? Um, because they... It doesn't elevate them. It, if anything, they're giving you their fame to elevate your thing. You know what I mean? So, um, which is a lot of people did, which I'm very grateful for. Okay. Um, but there's no it, like, it, I, I'm not bitter about it at all. Like, I mean, it was like, you know, I get it. You know what I mean? It's just like a little thing. I think I hope he'll regret saying <laughs> no when the movie comes out and it's really great and amazing and this cool thing that we made, I mean, I don't want, I, I, I would love him to be like, man, I should have done that. <laughs> like, I don't want to feel bad, but I would love for him to be like, damn it, you know, I probably should have done that. Um, but I, 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 like, it's hard to be resentful when it, you're in a place where you would never, like, have no business being. I have absolutely no business telling the story of Ira Glass and, and this American life and this pot. I, I have no business doing it. Like, I, it, it should not be me. You know what I mean? I'm the person that had the audacity to try. <laughs> you know, but, like, there's no reason anyone should have said yes to me, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, it, and the it, fact it, that it anyone did, I appreciate. So I'm not ever bitter about it. But if you guys ask, like, the one that I did get, those are the couple. Mark Maron was like, man, come on, dude. Come on. You should have done it. Conan, I'm like, you don't really need to. Yeah. <laughs> not was... that Mark Maron needs to. I don't mean to imply that. But I felt like, like, dude, come on. Like, <laughs> you should have done this. This would have been a cool thing. You know, at least talk to me. And like get a sense of the vibe of who I am and why I'm doing this and that kind of thing. So, right. so um, yeah, I, I, was that did I answer the question well? No, you did. You definitely did. Uh, was you able to get like Kevin Smith or any of those uh, famous podcasters on? Uh, Kevin Smith is in a movie. 
Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Kevin Smith. No, you want to hear the story about that? Wait, there's a story? Oh, it's an amazing story. I love this story. <laughs> so we were shooting in, we were actually shooting some stuff with, um, are you familiar with uh, Jesse Thorne and Maximum Fun? Jesse Thorne, I've heard that name before. He does Bullseye on NPR, but he also has Maximum Fun, which is like his network. And we were filming some stuff with them. They do this retreat uh, mostly every year. Um, and so we were filming uh, like near Los Angeles. But at the same time, uh, I was a fan of, at the time I was a fan of, and still am, of Batman Beyond or uh, Batman on Batman. And I knew that they did the Los Angeles, the Skull and Villainy uh, bar, JC does. Right. And I knew that they had, you know, I was listeners. And I also knew that Kevin Smith would sign shit at his thing. And sometimes talk to the people that brought stuff up to sign at, during the tapings of the podcast, you know, and sometimes he would, uh, what do you do? And like, ask people and bring them up. So I was like, Oh, uh, might be a good opportunity to ask Kevin Smith to be in the movie and also maybe, um, promote things that I was doing, you know, cause I had done that fat rec doc and I was gonna maybe, you know, could at the time wouldn't be bad promotion for that. So I got tickets to a fat man beyond. We went to the scum, scum and villainy cantina, um, scum, and Billy Cantina. And um, I put the Blu-ray of a fat wreck on there with a little note that said, hey, I need to talk to you after. And we put it up on stage when we went. Um, if you guys are familiar with the format of the show, Scum and Villainy Cantina, yeah. the audience is there, and then he signs stuff. So he is up with Mark Bernardin, who is also in the movie, by the way. We interviewed him as well. Cool. Uh, and um, he sees the Blu-ray. I see him see it. And he picks it up and he looks at it. And I kind of kind of tell him, like, oh, shit. I bet he's going to talk about the movie now. It's going to be awesome. This is going to be great. But also already cool because I'm enjoying myself. I'm a fan, so I'm, like, in the audience. Um, and when they get to the part where they usually do the Q&A and they sign stuff and they talk about the stuff, they're like, hey, we're going to do something a little bit different today. And I'm like, damn it. Mm-hmm. We actually have the writers of the Endgame here. <laughs> and we're going to do a Q&A with them instead. So I'm like, yay. Uh, yay. Oh, yay. Because it's amazing, but also, oh. So they do a Q&A with um, the writers of Endgame, which is amazing. Yeah. Being in the room. They're in the room. They're awesome. It's so cool. They're so chill. Uh, Marcus and McFeely. Uh, awesome. It was, that was so cool. But when they end that, they're ending the show, Kevin doesn't go back behind the bar where he had seen our thing, and our Blu-ray is just sitting there. With the note on it. And Kevin goes to the leaves. And instead of going up the front, he just leaves out the back of the bar. The way it's set up, he can go into the back and not be hassled by anybody. That kind of thing. Then go to the back. They have a little back area behind the... Uh, in the it's like an alleyway. and Which I kind of knew about from being a fan of the show. So I'm kind of like, damn it, that was cool. But we missed our opportunity. 
But I'm like, you know what? I know they're hanging out back there. I'm just going to go back there and see if I can sneak my way in, you know? So I go back around the venue and go to the back alleyway. Kevin Smith's standing there in a circle with all the people, and they're chatting. JC's there and a bunch of the other people. And I kind of do this thing where I kind of casually walk up and kind of stand there in the circle, not saying anything, you know, kind of waiting for my opportunity to say something. And JC, before I can even, like, walk up, really, JC's like, hey, man, this is private. Like, okay, cool. And I'm like, damn it, I missed my opportunity. We missed it. The chance is over. So defeated, I walk around the corner, and I see my cinematographer chatting with Marcus McFeely, which is also cool. (laughs) They're just chatting, you know, and I walk up, and he has the Blu-ray that I had left on the counter. And as I walk up, he's like, and I meet the guys. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. This is cool. He's like, hey, they left. he left the Blu-ray. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back. Because I saw him look at it, and I know he didn't mean to leave it, you know. And so I walk back around with the Blu-ray in hand, very confident. And I look around the corner, and everybody's gone. Ah! <laughs> However, there is this black navigator that's sitting there as I'm looking around the corner. And all this happens pretty quickly. And I hear a window roll down. And a voice that I recognize go, hey, is that for me? Is that Blu-ray for me? And it's Kevin. Oh. He had stopped. He was leaving, going home, and rolled down the window and was like, hey, was that meant for me? And I was like, yes, Kevin, here, I'm a director. This is my first movie about this punk rock record label, Fat Record. Fat Rec. He's like, oh, yeah, I saw that. I was like, hey, I'm making this documentary about the podcast industry, and I'm a big fan of your thing, and I know that you were the first podcast to really do advertising. And I give him my whole spiel. And... He agrees to be in the movie. Wow. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. It's... Like, this dude, like, stopped, rolled down the window, (laughs) and was basically like, hey, like, um, I think he might cry. Like, I'm getting, like, a little emotional here. (laughs) Uh, Like, he did not have to do that at all. Now, it took me another year to get his interview and work through the... Because at the time, he agrees to a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's in a lot of documentaries. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, like uh, I was able to catch him when he was coming here to Dallas at our, one of our theaters here. And I knew the people around the theater. We were able to do his interview. And dude, no no one works harder than that guy. I've, I've, I've not seen anyone work harder than that guy. Big fan. And big shout out to Josh Roush, who has done a lot of his stuff. He did, um, he does a lot of his, uh, a lot of the, Kevin Smith content, and he's done a bunch of music videos, and uh, and he just ha- had a, a film just come out. Um, where is it? Where am I? Looking for the Blu-ray so I can plug it right now. Um, but like he was a big supporter. Like when we showed up, and uh, he was a punk rock fan, and helped and was our kind of our advocate. When, and when we were dealing with Kevin, 
um, uh, I want to get his movie. I want to plug it right now. Give me one second because I want to plug it because I think it's important. Um, uh, wrong reasons. Wrong the reasons. Punk rock. Wrong reasons, and it's um, it's uh, it's on um, a lot of streaming things now. Uh, reasons uh, and um, Kevin's in it, and a bunch of other people. Uh, look up wrong reasons. Um, Josh Roush. Uh, really has been a, a big, um, he helped us make sure Kevin was there on time and really kind of was a, 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 like a guy that had our back when we went to go film, uh, Kevin's interview. So, um, yeah, but Kevin, man, like, yeah, that is amazing. Like I would, I mean, I landed some like pretty, you know, pretty wild guests. You know, we just had Mike Zapsick, which was, which to me, I was just like, wow, I was able to get like one of the comic book men. Uh, Dude, and, I, I watched, I watched some of that interview. Congratulations! Thank like, you. Was that awesome. was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, that, that was I, I like. Um, no, that whole that whole crew, this, this, everyone who operates in that space. I think you guys know Chuck. Yes. Um, yes. I imagine that might have happened through Chuck um, because he's a. Uh, no, I, how I got that was, I'm a. I was coming from a DJ conference and I just decided I'm like, all right, we drove there, you know, we drove there, so we're driving on the way back. And I'm like, all right, I want to go to Kevin Smith's uh, comic book shop. Like, why not? You know, I, I'm still off yeah. of work. Just why not? And I was like, you know what? If any one of them are gonna be there. I'm simply just gonna shoot, shoot my shot and ask. Mm-hmm. And shooting your shot is so powerful. Being prepared for rejection and be like, "What, dude? It costs you nothing to shoot your shot. Doesn't except a little ego. There might be a little ego ego hurt. There was none at all. Like, like I've, I've experienced that, but like you move on from that so fast because the yeses. You only need a yet one yes. You know what I mean? Like th- several people can say no, and that one person says yes, and like that's the one. You know what I mean? Congratulations, man! That's that's, that's awesome, dude. Thank I you. Lo- I, lo- I like to hear that. Like I like that you shot your own shot. You didn't even like use Chuck. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's I dropped I dropped his name, but that was it. No, helpful, helpful, yeah. helpful. I mean, it's. It, it, I mean, I, I, I like. The thing that I that I come back to is all these people are people. Everyone has the same insecurities. Everyone is trying to like make it through life. No one knows what they're doing. No one knows. Right. And so all these people are on the same level as I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've done something, and I'm I respect I have respect for that. But at the same time, they're a human being. So they're all just trying to figure this shit out themselves as well. So it's like we're all on the same level. Like yeah. I I I almost hold no one up up like. It's hard not to when you yeah. meet the hero, but all these people are just as insecure as we all are. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And if they if they if they pretend like they're not, they're not. <laughs> they 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 all have the same insecurities we all have. They all want to be accepted. They all want to be loved. Everyone wants you know to be validated in the things that they're doing, and especially art and and those kind of things. And anyone who pretends like they're not, they're lying. And we all want the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so like. I, I also have a p- policy like on emailing that like if you don't respond you didn't see it. 
Me too. Because you could say no. Just say no. Yeah. No, thank you. That doesn't take much to say no, thank you. And a no is so easy. It's so easy to say no. So, like, my philosophy is if you don't respond, then you didn't see it. I'm going to send you another until you say no. And then I'll leave you alone. Yes. Totally leave you alone. You say no, I get you. But before that, like, that's just, like, I I, I got that philosophy. I did a job one time, and I was scared to cold cold email, and they're like, if, if they don't respond, they didn't see it. So what is like, oh, so what works. are some um, other pro? Well, did you have a question? There? No, I was gonna say um, it, it, it's a it's a good it's a good policy to have. Like when you when you have when we have guests on the show or when you have guests on any podcast because like it's very, you know, it's it's very easy to kind of um, to have stars in your eyes, especially if you're like a new newer podcaster or haven't haven't done it for so long. Um, because I think there's, there's something to be said that how, of how television, for example, of how the camera, the screen sort of confers a sense of authority on the person that it makes them seem larger than life. But then when you talk to them and then when you approach them, you realize that it's just, it's just a human being. They just have a very public day job, which happens to be in front of a camera. They got bills to pay. They have their lives to lead, lead families to raise and other, and other obligations. And, you know, I think where people... Where some some newer podcasters might make might make the mistake of sort of like um, adding adding a or venerating these uh, these guests uh, uh, to to a higher stature than than they than they otherwise should should ha- should have. Are you, you saying know? you don't venerate me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, dude, I I always I try to find find like whenever I do search for guests if they have like some type of uh, value to bring. You know, like I literally just learned like so much within like the hour, hour and a half that you've just been on this show. You're not even a podcaster, but you even taught me. You taught me so much about podcasting to the point I'm like very looking much forward to your to your documentary. But I I always try to find like some type of value, even if like we just have like sometimes we'll just have our friends mm-hmm. on the show. I still see value in them and. I have the underdog mentality. I want to learn. I have this mentality also where it's just like, no matter who you, every person that you meet is a learning experience. You know, I've known Vic for probably about 10, 15 years. Still learning. Success is 80% luck. Yeah. Maybe 90. Maybe 90%. I mean, it's all luck. Like at any point, at any point, someone could just told me no. If, if, if Fat Mike would have told me no, I wouldn't have the song. I wouldn't have access to probably a lot of people. If, if Ira Glass would have said no or Roman would have said no, I wouldn't have access to a lot of different people. Because, like, it, it, it's, it, it's so easy to say no. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so it's lucky. It's luck, and I also think I feel like some of these people, it's coming at them in a genuine way. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like, I, I I shoot a lot of shots with my emails, and that has been successful for me because when I do them, I put exclamation points, I put smiley faces, I put the word rad <laughs> in the email. I want them to have a good understanding of who I am, 
And I try to make it clear and it's concise and not waste anyone's time, but I want them to get a sense of like, hey, this, this like, <laughs> it's easy to say no, but if you're into what I'm doing, like, say yes. Cause I'll work really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, are there any really um, yeah? So, are there any other projects that that you are working on other than uh, Age of Audio? Yeah, that 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 punk that, that documentary about what it takes to be a working class creative. It's called uh, at this point. It's called Anchor End. I have nothing up about it. There might be some social media that takes that is private, but I've been working on that one for longer than I've been working on the Age of Audio. Oh wow. And uh, we stopped filming several years ago, and it's edited to the point where if – so we have a crowdfunding thing coming up I wanted to mention. Okay, good. Um, on, for this movie, uh, probably in the next month or month and a half, we'll probably be launching. Um, and that's why I can finish this movie. The other movie is almost done. Like I have a, a, a two-hour and 40-minute cut that just needs to be cut down. And I haven't been able to work on it because I've been either driving, trying to make money, support my family, and like trying to keep this this age of audio thing going. Right. Because uh, I feel like this movie is the one that can um, it can bring a lot. It, it'll br- I think it'll bring a lot of attention if I do if me and the people working with me are doing things uh, do it well. I think it'll bring a lot of attention because I think podcasting. It's like, I mean, what a great way to market a movie about podcasting is through podcasts, which is like most of the people who like the movie are going to have an audience. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> different, like, yeah. like, like, it's like this thing that has this like built in marketing into it. Um, but this other movie, it, 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 it's all of us, man. It's all of us who are out here doing doing stuff, and it's about not just us. It's about the people in our lives that are that support us. Like, how does how does a mid level, uh, you know, band make it? They're not making enough money to survive, and it has to do with all the people who, around us, like our our, our our wives, our girlfriends, our our, our children, our community. Um, and so Anchor End is, is really about those things. Cause we, in the movie, we interviewed like the parents, we interviewed the kids, we interviewed the community. Um, and it's not far from you guys. You guys are going to be into this movie. It's based out of New Bedford. Oh, wow. That's what, 20 minutes? Yeah. 20 minutes out 20 minutes from you. I know Providence really well because while we were shooting this movie for about three weeks, for about three weeks, I would go in the mornings and go down to Providence and d- drive Lyft and go to Brown University and all the different areas and, like, do Lyft. And so I learned crossing that bridge, seeing that sunset come up over the river there, you know what I mean, with the factories on the side there. I know where you guys are at. Like, I mean, you know, not specifically, yeah. but I know Providence pretty well. Um, and so I know Rhode Island, you know, a little bit. I know the airport over there taking lots of people to that airport. Uh, I've made that drive down from New Bedford, like in the mornings, you know what I mean? Um, while we were shooting a documentary, it was, it was a way to offset our costs. Um, so I would go in the mornings and drive Lyft down in Providence to help pay for our food and gas 
for the for the next day while we were shooting this other doc. Okay. Um, we, we we filmed at the at the uh, the whaling museum up there in Providence. The, all the skate culture up there in Pro, uh, not Providence, I'm sorry, in, in New Bedford. Yeah. Um, the skate culture that exists there, it talks about that and the and the, the shops and the businesses that 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 built themselves up there. So it's really a movie about not just like this punk rock band, which is like the entry, like it's the it's a thing, but really it's about the support systems it takes for modern uh, working class creatives to exist. And I know you guys have people in your lives that support the things that you do and love, you know, love you. So they love what you do, right. you know, and are like, oh, cool. I know you got to take two hours to do this thing with, you know, OK, I'll take care of the kids or I'll take care of the, the laundry. I'll, t-. You know, I mean, these are the, the people. So the movie is about that. Um, uh, it's almost done. So hopefully what happens is Age of Audio is successful, which allows me to finish Anchor Ends. Um, and people can see the, see their friends and see themselves, either themselves or their friends. Anyone who does creative work, this is about the people who who back them up. You know what I mean? Uh, and those people don't get uh, presented as much. You know, it's usually like you talk about a band, you you interview the band, and you interview oh yeah, like and it sh- this is not that. This is them at home, what they have to do with their home, like driving buses or making or working at, at the bar or working at a burrito shop or, or, or like, like this is, and who employs them? Who takes care of them? Who makes sure they're, that they can go on tour? Because, you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. <laughs> that movie's going to be amazing, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Definitely it's, looking it's, forward it's a, to it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, but Age of Audio is going to be amazing too, man. I, I like, I, I, the, the, we're, we're, I've gone very public as of late because we've been working on the movie for the last six years. Yeah. But as of late, I'm, you know, you, you may know, like on the the Age of Audio um, AOA movie uh, on Instagram, on on X, Twitter, on the website is AOA movie. Um, I've been posting a lot about who's in it, and we've been getting such like. It's not that it's blown up specifically, but the quality of people who are following us, the level, like the people that are reaching out has been amazing. And I, 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 I really hope that like when people see the movie age of audio, when it comes out, that they're like, whether or not they think it's a good movie or not will be, I hope they think it's good, but I hope they like this person cared about this space whoever made this movie cared about podcasting and it's not like a money grab or because it was something that was popular it was like someone who really cared about it and the people and understood the people making it because like i want like like guys like you to feel seen in this movie like to like you know you're like oh you don't know what i do check out this movie this is what i do and this is why i do it if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. no, it's cool. Um, let's switch gears and let's have a little fun and kind of get to know uh, Sean the person. So what we like to do with our guests, and we have like a certain specific um, questions that we do ask. We like to do a little this or that. 
inspired by uh, one of Vic's favorite uh, podcasts, Jamel and Hi- Jamel Hills Unbothered. Mm-hmm. All right. Un- so, Unbothered. Yes. I'll check it out. Okay, so we're gonna start with all right. Are you PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Nice. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see, you got Loki in the background. So for Marvel shows, Loki or WandaVision? Damn, bro. You always ask the hard ones. <laughs> I know. That's really hard. I, I have to say, I really fucking love Loki. And if I was going to make a show, I would make Loki. Right, mm. that was the show. If I I could make that's like my whole vibe. But that being said, Wandavision, like, what is grief but love, persevering? Mm-hmm. I mean, an exploration of television and grief. I would make Loki. I would be the person that would want to make Loki, but. I have to go with WandaVision. I think oh. that was one of the most, uh, I think, like, uh, just simply amazing. Uh, to me, it's, it's crazy that WandaVision wasn't supposed to be first because, mm-hmm. like, you know, they had been delayed. I don't know how close you guys follow all the Marvel stuff, but yeah. WandaVision wasn't supposed to be first. It was the first completed, so they were able to, like, because of, like, the COVID stuff. Yeah. So, but to me, as Marvel got into television – showing that they knew television by actually making television like and honoring it and like I don't I don't know the the, the I'm a big fan of multiple layers on things yeah so like things should go very deep I'm a Futurama fan so like on Futurama there's episode there's jokes in the background that only like maybe a thousand people would get because like the math is so complicated I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate people make layers, and the layers in Wandavision are are too many to be discounted. It is a piece of art that is an amazing thing. And once again, tough question because Loki <laughs> is the thing I would yeah. want to make. Yeah. Like Loki is the thing I would want to make, but I cannot deny the writing and just the vision. They got chairs. The chairs that people sat in from the live audience were from that time period. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is unbelievable the layers they went to to recreate that. So, um, WandaVision is my choice. Okay. Um, does pineapple belong on pizza? There's only one right answer. Oh, you're not going to like my answer. I like pineapple and ham on pizza. Yeah, no, thank no. you, <laughs> thank you, sir. Here's what I'm saying. Here, here's what I'm saying. I, I, like, I, I, like uh, New York born, right? Love New York pizza. Think New York pizza is the shit. But dude, why limit anyone anything? Why would you ever limit anyone? If it's what they like, it's what they like. You don't have to eat it. So like, this whole conversation about like what's right or wrong. It's what you like. It kind of goes back to like shows or like anything. Like, 
It's what you like. If you like it, you like it. If you force someone else to eat it, here's what I'll say. If you are ordering pizzas for a group of people and you only order pineapple and ham, you're a monster. (laughs) (laughs) But if you include it in a group of pizzas, like you got some pepperoni, you got some cheese, and you have that, Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're accommodating for people who have different tastes than yourself. So I hope that was a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) That was, especially your monster. Nice. Uh, that was kind of like a middle of the road answer, also. But it was, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, definitely. Uh, you definitely made your valid. choice. No, I'm for creative freedom, bro. And if you're, you know, you're a filmmaker, you definitely do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Marvel or DC? <laughs> Which one? Marvel or DC? Dude, I'm Marvel. I'm Marvel. And not because I love, and I like DC. I like DC. I like DC. So I'm re- really excited about James Gunn going into the DC universe. I love uh, Peacemaker. I'm a Batman fan. I love Batman versus Superman. I think it's a. You like that movie? The, the, the director's cut, not the not the one, the feature, because <laughs> it cut out all the parts of Clark Kent actually going and being a reporter. Like they showed that. And also, like, um, like Zack Snyder's very broy, and I know that a lot of yeah. douchebags like his shit. And I'm not—I don't condone any of that, like Zack Snyder bullshit stuff that his some of the fans have done. But if you know Zack Snyder, that dude is a true fan. He is a nerd through and through. I've watched some of his stuff on that weird social media site that he's been on and that dude is a nerd he knows deep down and i appreciate the things that he made uh and i am so i am i i will watch every i'm gonna watch blue beetle i'm like i love dc stuff i love dc stuff but marvel bro like taika watiti they gave taika watiti a movie bro they they gave they gave like all these amazing people movies like Marvel is like hands down Marvel crushed it. They got rid of Perlmutter. I don't know how deep you go into Marvel, but they got rid of Perlmutter for Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige was like, get rid of this dude or I walk. And they got rid of Perlmutter and, uh, uh, that is brilliant shit. They actually announced Jason Momoa is no longer doing uh, Aquaman. Yeah. yeah, but he's gonna be. He's gonna Lobo. do something else. Lobo, bro. Nice. He has I the am, look. I, so I am, I am all. I am all about James Gunn. Anything James Gunn does. That dude. Like I'm. I'm a big fan of Taika Waititi, because he is able to mix serious with comedy. And take things seriously, but also not take himself too seriously. James Gunn understands story. He is a true fan of what he dives into and really, like, does, like, it's in no better hands than this guy. So I, as of right now, Marvel, who knows? I'm very excited to see what James Gunn does with his new Superman and all, like, 
And to be honest with you, I would love them to be at parity because DC has an opportunity right now to like, cause like Marvel's at this point is a little old hat. We can all agree that some of the stuff hasn't been hitting at all cylinders the last couple years. Mm-hmm. I love all of it and have watched mm-hmm. all of it multiple times, but I can see that they stretch themselves a little thin. You know what I mean? Like that is true. I think that's true. They, they should have let things be a little more spread out. Spread out. Right. Uh, I think too many TV shows, too many, uh, what you're doing is taking a very, how many people can make this stuff, right? And make it well, there's only a limited talent pool. And if you pull them and stretch them out, it doesn't work. The thing with DC is they have nothing to lose. Did you guys like Flash? The Flash? I haven't seen it. Me neither. You haven't seen it. Uh, it's the. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It's I the love Ezra almost, Miller of it all. Uh, dude, uh, like, that's fine. Yeah. I also think that when you make a movie, it's so many people, and Ezra is a good actor, despite their BS yeah. on the side. That they're, I can agree with. They're a good actor. They're, they do two roles in that movie, and they do it well. Like it's that is a good movie, and I think it hit gets hit a lot because of the real world BS around Ezra, and also I think fatigue. I think there's a little bit of fatigue on the DC side. Yeah. I enjoyed that movie. I will watch it again. I think it was fun. I think it was uh, an interesting take on all. All that stuff, I, but then like you're you're talking to a nerd. I like all of it. I am amazed that any of this stuff is getting made ever. Like it, it the fact that a Flash movie exists is bonkers. <laughs> like that's like crazy. Like who? Like a Flash movie? Like that's like like I don't know. We shouldn't even have it. And the fact that James Gunn is now in tr- like really literally in charge of all that stuff. I have a lot of uh, a lot of faith in that guy. I think he is not a guy who cares about money. I don't think he's a guy that cares about fame. I think he is a person that comes from a very DIY, like never thought he'd be in the position that he was in. It wasn't his intention, you know. Um, I, I think that is good for DC. I think DC is is poised to do some really interesting stuff at the time where Marvel is, you know, become kind of mainstream Hmm. and you know and that's the curse um i'll tie this back to age of audio how's that um so age of audio we talk a lot about this american life right and ira glass and at the time ira glass was revolutionary he was doing something that you don't do on public radio putting music like this very like conversational way of talking because like NPR had been very authoritative and they wouldn't allow music under uh, hosts because they thought it was manipulative and it wasn't like, you know, didn't have a journalistic standard and Ira Glass was the rebel, right? He came in and he changed everything. But many people now think that that is the standard Mm -hmm. and has become homogenized and that's kind of what happened with i think with marvel it became the upstart it was changing everything and like bringing all this stuff and then it became the main thing that everyone loved 
and then suffers from the same thing that anything popular happens is it becomes the standard. And so now DC has an opportunity to become the not standard and do different things. So James Gunn is in a very unique position. Who knows who will pull it off? Who knows? Um, I have a lot of faith in the guy. I think he seems to be really, I don't know him personally, obviously, but from what I gather from the storytelling and the things that he's done and the way he's interacted, I'm very hopeful that DC could probably take that away. Like right now it's Marvel, but who knows in the next few years that could change. And I'm excited that that is a possibility. Okay. I got one more. I got one more for you. (laughs) And I think, and I think, um, I think, long answers. Yeah. Sorry. I think Vic would appreciate this one too. Uh, are you familiar with Ari Aster? Of course. Midsommar or Hereditary? Okay. I don't like horror. Oh. <laughs> well, there's our answer. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, 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 but I want you to know that I know who that is. Right. And I know... Hereditary was one of the best horror movies to come out because he focused so much on the family. That actually was originally a family drama that he turned into a horror movie so he could get funding Mm -hmm. and was able to create almost this new thing. And I've seen some scenes from that movie and I appreciate Ari Aster as a filmmaker and I'm so glad that they exist I can't watch that stuff. I just can't. <laughs> I can't watch like Understandable. that. It's like I, I don't know if it's a reason, a point where I hit in my life, or like like uh, the lighthouse. I really wanted like to watch the lighthouse because like this guy does four point four by three and does this amazing movie. I just cannot watch people be shitty. I just can't do it. I just cannot, in, at this point in my life, I just can't watch people be shitty and, like, like have so much respect for those movies and so much respect for Hereditary, for, like, the actors in that movie and that they changed the game. So I don't come from a, from a place of ignorance. Um, but I have not seen both those movies in their entirety. I would say, based on what I know about those two movies... I'd probably be more Midsommar because of the 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 juxtaposition between the bright and sunny and uh, the cinematography of the film, if, if you will. Yeah. But I've read on Wikipedia the synopsis of the movie, so I know what happens. Oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> and I know I wouldn't want to watch that happen. Like, I don't want to see that. That's not something I wish to intake. But, Understandable. Yeah. So, like, I'm not coming from a place of ignorance of the movies that you're talking about, but Midsommar right. seems to be something I would be more geared toward because of the cinematography of it mm-hmm. than Hereditary. Um, so, uh, my my answer is Midsommar. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and uh, as someone who has not seen either movie, you still made it. You still yeah. made like an intelligent answer. At that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we'll we'll wrap it up here with one more one more this or that. Uh, so speaking of directors, so to tie it up home, uh, James Gunn or Christopher Nolan. Mm. 
that's that's a hard one for me. That's a hard one because um, the easy answer for me is James Gunn, right? Hmm. It's easy for me for to answer James Gunn, but James Gunn is in my wheelhouse. He's the kind of like he makes the kind of movies I would want to make, if that makes sense. Yeah. But Christopher Nolan makes something that I can never make. I could never do it. I could never make the kind of movies he makes. And his dedication to film and IMAX and the fact that he made a $900 million three-hour movie that has no action in it <laughs> and is like a historical biopic. Mm-hmm. I'm still mad I haven't seen it yet. Oppenheimer. You haven't seen it? I, I No. No, Oppenheimer's bro. I love see, it. See, and here's the thing with me: it. if I don't see it opening night, I will, or opening weekend, at least opening weekend, no, I will never that. see it. Screw I pr- hey, get rid of your. What, what is this weird hang up you have? Because I I go, DJ all the time. Go, go, if you can see that in the theater, try and see that in the theater, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Bummed that's the only I way I really it. want to see it. Like, I feel like that's I the only I way you have to see it. Real IMAX. I saw it in the faux IMAX. IMAX ish. You know what I mean? Because there's like actual IMAX. It's the full thing. There's only like a few of the theaters in the in the country, yep. and uh, those were booked out for a while. Um, I'm gonna go with Christopher Nolan, man. Hmm. I think uh, only because his it's just something I could never do. I don't understand it. Like I don't understand it, but I love it, and I love the movies he makes. And he's been such a proponent of film, and which I, it's, there's a part of me that's like, I listen to interviews with his cinematographer, and they're like, blah blah blah. And I'm like, dude, it's every medium was the new medium at some point. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You're picking an arbitrary point in time and saying this is where I think that film is, but the technology at the time of film was like new, and everyone yeah. was like. Multiple photographs, that's crazy. You know, like, like, yeah. Yeah, like so I, I don't, I, I'm always hesitant when people talk about a particular arbitrary point in time. Mm-hmm. However, dude, that dude loves cinema and yeah. like kept it alive and, it, and it's, it's experimental. Like, Tenet is a shit movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, I will say Tenet, it's a movie that I, I enjoyed. Like, it has enough craft that, like, it, it's, it's watchable yeah, for me. Yeah, but that's but, what I mean. It's, but, it, it's craft. Yeah. And that's where I can appreciate it as a filmmaker. And that's where I appreciate Christopher Nolan for trying stuff. Yeah, but it, it tries to be too stuff. clever And he by has that. the platform mm. to try stuff at a scale that none of us can. And yeah. he still did something experimental. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, at, at, at a level that I, I'll never be able to achieve that level of filmmaking. Like, it's not in the, in the, in the thing. James Gunn, I think I could do James Gunn. And I don't mean, like, because like, I'm such a good filmmaker, but, like, he, like he's having fun. And, uh, and Christopher Nolan just seems like such a, like, ser- like he's, like, such a serious filmmaker. <laughs> like, he's just so legit and so, like, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed um, uh, Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. It was 
it was uh, uh, like I really liked it. Like I really liked it. It was, and the fact that they used very little, if to no CG, and the fact that they were like, and I'm not against CG. I think CG is cool. I'm all about the AI shit too. I'm like, like all the shit. I'm like all into whatever tools to tell stories. I'm into it. But the fact that Christopher Nolan is and his cinematographers are keeping this certain aspect alive to make sure it like and at, at the level that he's doing it like there's like there's just like almost nothing like that so christopher nolan i'm gonna go with christopher nolan right. which is there was no a weird answer. answer for me i would i thought i would go james gunn <laughs> if that makes sense yeah. because i identify with james gunn more than i identify with christopher nolan but christopher nolan man he is Thank goodness for that dude. Thank goodness for him because I like he. Oh man. Anyway, because that's that's my answer. Gotcha. Yeah. Well said. But uh, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sean, like this this has been a a great conversation, and you know we 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 could easily go for like another hour or so, but I know that you know you've got things to do. We've got things to do. I have nothing Um, to do, but I respect the viewers' time. Yes. (laughs) Yep. So yeah, we're hitting a two two hour mark. I've refilled this a couple times, so at this point, I'm borderline drunk. So yeah, um, yeah. As we as we wrap up here, uh, Sean, uh, it's it's been a pleasure. Uh, before you before we sign off, tell the good people where they can find you and your work. Okay, so first off, send these guys some money <laughs> if they can put up a link to some Venmo or something. Send these guys just a few bucks. Just send them some money because they put in the time, they put in the effort, and I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can find me at um, Open Ended Films, and that's almost everything. So that's the website, that's Twitter, that's Instagram, that's um, TikTok, all that, all that stuff. So uh, if any of you guys are, please follow me. Follow me on TikTok, please. Uh, the movie, the film uh, Age of Audio, about the podcasting documentary, the podcasting documentary. Uh, it's aoafmovie.com. But it's also AOA Movie Instagram, AOA Movie. <laughs> so AOA Movie for the movie, Open Ended Films for Sean. Uh, I have a marketing background, so I try to make everything as easy as possible. Yeah. <laughs> make everything as easy as possible. And, um, yeah, like, um, that's where you can find the stuff. If you have any questions, I'm very... I'm someone who will reach back out, like uh, like that kind of thing. So if you have any questions about podcasting, if you're a podcaster and you're listening to this and you're like, tell me stuff about podcasting. Like I have this knowledge that like from doing the movie that I would love to share. So um, yeah, so reach out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's... All right. Okay. Um, what do I got? This weekend, this Saturday, I'll be DJing at Halo Lounge in, Pata- in uh, downtown Pawtucket. I uh, will be the special guest uh, DJ for a Fleet DJ uh, Meetup. And it will be hosted by uh, Melissa from the Get Up Crew from 96.9. So. I have a yeah. question. Yes. yes. Do you know Scratch? I do not know DJ Scratch. What? I know who know he him. is. 
But I don't no, know. No. No. Do you know how to scratch? How to oh, how to scratch, yeah. Okay. Uh, you ever watch the DMC World Championships? I will... Probably when I get home. No, no, I'm not trying to call you out. Like, I, like I'm a fan of DJing and like scratching and all that, 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 the, uh, <laughs> all that stuff. Nice. <laughs> I'm just trying to connect with you on your DJ side. Oh yeah. Uh, nice. And uh, yeah, and, uh, as for our show, uh, you can catch us on uh, Facebook Live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're also on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, basically uh, just Google Google Codex Prime Podcast. You can find us wherever, and uh, we're also on Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast as well. Uh, I've been slacking on Instagram Instagram content, but I'm I've been motivated in many ways, so I'm yeah I'll be getting back up on it. Nice, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's about it. That wraps it up uh, for this week's episode. Uh, Sean, once again, uh, great having you on the show. Mm. We'll hope to have you again. Uh, yes, catch uh, Age of Audio when it drops. Um, oh, oh, we're gonna start a crowdfunding thing sometime in November. So keep oh. an, an ear and an eye out for. We'll have a trailer coming out. Probably do some pitch videos, and we'll be very active here in about like uh, probably a month. So, yeah, please, a lot about. please let us know. Also, one, one other thing, if you go to our Instagram or our Twitter, we do have a little clip um, about the word podcasting, where it came from. Oh. Um, the word podcast, we, we talked to the guy who is uh, credited with the, um, the first uh, documented um, person using the word podcast. His name is Ben Hammersley, and it's really funny. So if you go to our Instagram or our Twitter, you can actually watch a little, probably about a minute long clip of the movie. Oh, okay. Right on. Thank you. So yeah, uh, that does it for this week's episode. Um, Thank you for watching and listening. And as always, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.